We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call, 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's Andy and, the word and, <laughs> andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old shows and as well uh, ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to see you morning, all. Good morning, Scott. Going to start things off with estate planning. Yeah, I think last week we were we talked about uh, a number of estate planning issues and time kind of got squeezed as right, it sometimes yeah. does. So I wanted to carry on and talk a little further about estate planning issues and um, you know, one of the one of the areas where people often think about their in terms of their estate is charitable giving mm. or charitable donations. And and last week we were talking about the need to have a will and all of the benefits and who should have a will. And if you're planning to make donations through your estate, then the will is going to be an important part to be able to direct that and and give your executor or trustee Mm -hmm. the guidance and the information needed to be able to make a proper donation on your behalf or behalf of your estate. And so a lot of times people will put charities into their will um, and you've got to be very careful that you've got the correct name. And so if that's something that you've contemplated or already done in your will, just take out your will again and have a review. What did we say? What was the actual name of the charity? In many cases, um, clients or lawyers are now including the charitable registration number. Mm. So just to clarify, just to be very specific. And in addition to that, the lawyers might include information or or a guidance to the executor that, that might say, uh, in case this charity doesn't exist or has been folded into another charity, mm-hmm. I give broad interpretation to my executor to be able to continue to make the donation at, and this will satisfy the right. will and the will requirements. <coughs> and um, and that's something to think about too because if you're 60 today and you're contemplating making a donation in your will, uh, it might not happen for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And if it's a major, major charitable organization, Canadian Cancer Society or something like, you know, and so there's lots of major ones, mm-hmm. um, they'll probably be around in 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a huge issue and people really understand. But then you might understand, well, which chapter is it? Yeah. Is it just the general? Is it a local chapter? You know, you, you, you've got to be, I mm. think, a little more specific and just be clear, have a lot of clarity around what you're trying to achieve there. So understanding, making sure if it's a small charity, uh, make sure they're a legit charity. Mm-hmm. Do they have a registration yeah. number? Uh, and, and that's important to clarify as well. And the final thing is you want to give your executor the capacity to create that gift to a charity in the most tax efficient way possible. And one of the rules today that exists is the capacity to be able to donate or gift shares of a mutual fund or units of a mutual fund or shares of stock, Mm -hmm. or um, it could be property. Uh, It could be environmental property. There's all kinds of different, it could be land. You You can donate specific. And what that does is that avoids you having to pay tax on the capital gains. Right. So, and that can be significant. So, you know, I just running some numbers in my head as I was looking at this and thinking, so let's say in my will, I've decided I'm going to donate a a million dollars to two of my favorite charities. So half a million each. And um, 
So I'm 60 now. And if that money is, these are investments that I have, and these are secure stocks, mutual funds. If they're growing at 7%, you know, in 10 years, it's going to double. So now I'm 70 and it's worth 2 million. Right. Now I'm 80, it's worth 4 million. Now I'm 90, it's worth 8 million. So I'm donating $8 million now at age 90 to 4 million to each charity. So it's a significant amount. But if I donate, if I cash in, the, if, if those securities are cashed in, I'm going to pay capital gains tax on, that money on all that money. Right. I will get a credit. And that comes out of your pocket. That comes out yeah. of the estate pocket. The estate pocket. That's yeah. right. So it would be money that has tax that has to be paid. Yeah. I'll get a charitable receipt for the $8 million donation. Uh, and that will go a long way to offset the taxes, but basically there's more tax to be saved. And the way you do that is instead of cashing in the securities or selling the land and giving the cash, you want to actually donate the actual securities, the shares or the land. You do not want to sell it. Mm -hmm. You just want to change the title or ownership of those shares. So who would eventually pay the capital gains on it? That's a great question. The Ontario, the, sorry, the federal government has invoked a rule that allows you to avoid paying any capital gains on securities when you donate them to a charity. So, mm-hmm. in other words, nobody's paying. So no the one tax. has to. Nobody. No wow. one has to. Wow. So that's the bonus. Yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting. You go back to when they came out with that rule. It was supposed to be like a one or two year trial. <laughs> yes. And. I guess it became so popular, and this one is actually a bit of a surprise. When the government gives a great deal for charitable giving and realize there's a lot of people taking advantage of it, they extended it and they actually made it pass it right into the tax act. So mm-hmm. this is just right. it every year now. Yeah, it was it, it started out just temporary, and it is kind of like I guess the income tax itself was supposed to be temporary. <laughs> 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 the War Measure Act way way back, but uh, they, this was actually supposed to be kind of a trial thing, and, and again, it is taking advantage of. But a lot of people are still unaware of it, and, I, and it's great to uh, you know, know. always bring this. Up. I know. And it's been tweaked over the years a little bit to actually improve. So if there are, um, if you've got environmentally sensitive land that perhaps you couldn't build on, mm. but you want to donate it, um, that now has a hundred percent. Like Normally when you make a donation of, or you do a gift of the shares or you do a gift of land, uh, you're only able to get a credit up to 75% of the um, of your net income, mm-hmm. so if you earned a hundred thousand uh, dollars, you can only use a tax credit of seventy five thousand dollars in that tax year. Now the tax system allows you to carry forward that five years, mm-hmm. right? So you can usually use it up. So if your if your land was worth a million dollars or five hundred thousand, then you're going to chunk away at it seventy five grand each year, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to basically pay no tax for five right. years, but you still might have a residual left over. And coming back to my scenario, I was talking about my donation of, um, you know, at that point, I'm age 90 and it's $8 million. Um, Here's the problem. When I get, when the charities issue to my estate, a a tax receipt for $4 million each, a total of $8 million. And now I submit those receipts for tax savings. The actual amount of credit or how much tax I can save in Ontario, works out to about 40%, right? Mm-hmm. 3.6 million, right? 3.2 million mm. uh, of, of tax savings. The problem is, is I don't have 3.2 million of income. Mm. My income is probably 100 grand, but you know, with inflation, maybe it's 300 grand by the time I'm 90. Uh, so I have 300 grand of income. 
In the year that somebody dies, you're allowed to get a tax credit for charitable donations up to 100% of your income in that final year. So I can have a $300,000 right. charitable donation, pay no tax. I've left $2.9 million of tax savings on the table. Yeah. So, so what has to be contemplated is if you're looking at a significant gift, that you have to balance between getting tax savings. If I do some now while I'm alive every year, then I'm getting the tax savings every year. So that was a $3.2 million, uh, sorry, $2.9 million of unused tax savings. Mm -hmm. If I spread that out over 30 years, it's like 10 grand a year I could have saved in tax if I did it every year instead of all during my estate and the final year at death. There is a little bit of tweaking there. When you when you die, your executor can go back one year, and if your estate continues on for three years, you know you can also apply it to any taxes owing in the future. But there's no way you're going to use it up. So here's the bal- What you're striking a balance is, you know, do I save tax now by making donations and gifts every year, mm-hmm. or do I, or, or am I trying to leave a? If I forego the tax savings and just leave a larger amount to charity when I die. I'm going to not get the benefit of all that tax savings along the way. So this is where people kind of have to decide what is the major, what is the priority. And normally if I said, you know what, if you had $2.9 million of income tax that you could have saved, you could have done something with that yourself. Yeah. You could have rolled that back into more charitable events or, or, or projects along the way, as opposed to leaving it in the government's hand to figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's I think that's kind of one of the key things when you're contemplating significant gifts as charitable donations. And so what we ended up thinking about is are there is there another way to do this? And life insurance and what we call charitable foundations are excellent ways to create a tax deduction today, get some of that tax savings today, but still leave a significant amount to a charity down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the case of a charitable foundation, basically you would gift shares, create a foundation. So Scott Thompson, charitable foundation. And every year you gift, say, 10000 or $20,000 or $30,000 worth of share certificates, piece, uh, mutual fund units. You're going to get a tax receipt for that whole amount. That is an irrevocable gift. It goes into your foundation, and every year your foundation is growing by 30000 plus growth. You will be required to pay a certain amount out of that foundation each year to the charity of your choice, but that's okay because that's what you're intending to do. And the thing I like about that as well is that uh, given the choice in terms of charities, uh, the between you know getting money now well, <laughs> at this stage, versus 30 years from now when you die, getting a bigger, larger yeah. amount, most charities are hungry for money right now. Yeah. So they can use the money, mm-hmm. use the funds, keep projects going, and expand projects if they know there's going to be a steady flow mm-hmm. of donations coming from you on an ongoing basis. So, um, And the other thing, too, is, a char- as I said, a charity might not exist in 30 yeah. years. So if you're helping them out now, that actually might keep them in business and keep them operating as opposed to waiting down the road. Nice thing about the foundations, though, is you do pick a charity at this stage. And if they do, and and let's say you decease and the charity is no longer in existence, Investors Group will actually change the charity for you. Mm -hmm. So they'll carry on your legacy into whatever, maybe a like-typed charity, but they also have their own charities that they'd use. But 
Um, you know, there isn't a charity that isn't asking for money any given day in my mailbox. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much any. And then, and on, the foundation is a fantastic way to keep those ongoing expenses. And like Andy mentioned, there's always, you know, that cash flow is what they base it on. And as opposed to having to go out and try to find new money, to know that there's a cash flow coming in, just like a paycheck for us, Mm -hmm. it's a paycheck for them. It makes life so much simpler for their ongoing expenses. So with, um, I do want to talk, we have, I know we're going to have other topics we want to talk about, but I'm going to come back to this. We have time later on about, I'll talk about how insurance and life insurance, if you're eligible and you're healthy, how that can play a part in your charitable giving and the pros and cons of using life insurance. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management, 905-529-7165. Call now and leave a message. And don't forget the website, andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at their website at andyanddon.com. Talking about a snowbird checklist. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know so if you got the trunks, the <laughs> flip flops. What am I missing? Sunscreen. Here? Yeah, sunscreen. yeah. Sunscreen. There's all sorts. Of, oh, My big hat. You've taken all my material. Some, and some currency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hard, hard U.S. currency or wherever you're going. Um, interesting enough, if you look up into the sky these days, you see geese. And they are heading <laughs> south. Now, also with those. You I was wondering <laughs> where you were going with this. <laughs> I wouldn't look too long up. But you're also seeing a whole lot of planes right now. Yeah. And they're filled with snowbirds. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of my clients there. They often go about this time yeah, yeah. and they may come I back I thought you were going to say there's Oldsmobiles going across the <laughs> yeah. border now <laughs> more than never before. No, they're <laughs> flying, but there is a whole lot of uh, people driving. Uh, I know some relatives of mine are just left and, uh, they, you know, they come back just, uh, the weather's kind of lousy now. Yeah. Go for a good tune up and then uh, get everything kind of winterized uh, or for them it's summarized because they're, yeah. if they own a place down there, they're taking off the hurricane shutters or whatever. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's a different <laughs> lifestyle down there. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, but for those that rent, you know, there's so many things. And, and personally, I'm a big advocate of renting instead of owning. Because mm-hmm. um, I think most of the people um, aren't there long enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's you're there as a lifestyle. It's an asset, isn't it? It's a lot of money yeah. for something yeah. that sits there. And for those that are letting it sit there for 10 months a year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a. Stagnant asset. Yeah, exactly. And. You know, so renting, it's kind of interesting. The general rule of thumb is rent if you're going to use it for less than three months. Mm. And consider, and I'm not saying buy, but consider buying if it's between four and six months. It might make sense then, um, per, you know, if you're not paying more in rent. Because, you know, you look at the property, insurance is there. Yeah. Up, their, their grass grows uh, 365 days a year. It's yeah. not, it doesn't go into, yeah. you know, into the winter mode. Um, so there's lots of costs even when you're not there. And so you have to really look at it, whether it makes sense for you. But it is a lifestyle decision if you have the funds. And I know, uh, you know, I look at my, my dad, for example, loves it down there. He's owned a place forever. And uh, he's there for practically six months a year. Yeah. Um, but others go there for, you know, just say March, January to March, end of March. And mm-hmm. they say, okay, get back for tax time. And they leave after Christmas. They come uh, mm-hmm. first of April. And, and renting works really well. Also, it allows you to try out new places yeah. until you found the one that you really like. And it, uh, when you buy, it's like, okay, I guess I'm stuck here now. And, and I found so many people 
it sounded so good when they were looking at buying. Mm-hmm. And real estate is very easy to buy, but it may not be as easy to sell. Mm-hmm. And so getting the right spot, they find quite often renting, you'll get to really know the area. Yeah, location, location, You got location, it, right? you got it. So, and if you are renting, um, hey, sooner the better. You can't get too early renting. Because if you're looking for a long-term rental mm-hmm. it, for three months or so, they're often booked a full year in advance. Sure, yeah. Um, I know my in-laws, for example, they will finish one year of renting and they're already booked for the next year because yeah, the, right. they, they love the spot. Yeah. Or if they didn't love the spot, they say, ah, but they're already looking around while they're down there to find the next spot. Yeah. So very common, but it, you know, look at also what's included. Um, every rental is a little interesting too. Some are saying, oh yes, this is a great price, but what are you getting for that price? Yeah. Is there a pool nearby or is it included? Is there a hot tub? Is there tennis courts? Some even include golf. Mm-hmm. Some don't. <clears throat> um, I know uh, some horror stories that didn't even, didn't even include phone or internet mm. or a barbecue. Yeah. And next thing you're down there and it's like, wow, I got a... Hibachi. Hibachi and coals. So out comes all... Walmart. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. <laughs> and so take a look at all those things. And to see if it really makes sense. But this is where, you know, having a phone, you know, making that phone call and asking these questions. You can never ask enough questions. Mm-hmm. But it, again, if you give yourself enough time, you'll, you'll get it right. Travel insurance, essential, okay? Um, compare different companies. And uh, there's often discounts within certain groups. I know there's one group called the Snowbird Advisory. Mm-hmm. And they give discounts based on being a member. Now, it's not hard to be a member. I think you just sign up on their email list. Yeah. But they're CAA. There's a whole lot of different ones and they will have discounts. And the, really the big key here is the pre-existing condition. Because once you get past that age, uh, whatever that is, there seems to be more health concerns and you may be on a certain pill for high blood pressure or cholesterol, whatever it is. They, there's, certain, there's this thing called me- meeting the stability period. And you, some are after, let's say you had something done for your heart, a, 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 a you know, not a bypass, but those flints mm-hmm. or stint. Stint, yeah. stint. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. A stint was put in. Well, they may say, okay, you can wait 30 days before you can, your insurance will be covered. Or some are 60 days, some are 90 days. Yeah. Again, it, it, very important to check out the different ones there. Um, booking flights ahead of time. You know, um, you, quite often a lot of people are driving down, but they know they're coming back. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot more of that. Before, in the, kind of in the old days, you saw them, you waved goodbye, and you knew they were coming until April. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot more people coming back and forth right. um, for different events. But you can book that well ahead of time, as you know, and the cost difference is, is huge. Uh, vehicle delivery. If you are flying down, how are you going to get your car down there? Mm-hmm. Because to rent a car for three months doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So there is services that will dr- bring your car down. And again, getting that organized ahead Usually of time. Usually that's the kids. Uh, normally. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad deal. <laughs> Not a bad that, trade-off. That's yeah. a relative Not that's a bad trade-off. Yeah, yeah, I kind of wish I had one of those situations yeah. way, way back in my day. But, yeah. I, but uh, you know, my grandfather always drove down, so I even offered. Didn't yeah. get that chance. But uh, <laughs> anyway, getting just getting organized. Um, and for these, it's interesting. The veterans are doing this. It's like clockwork. They mm-hmm. know how to do this, like, yeah. like changing of the guard. So they got their medication. They go see the doctor. You see all the doctor appointments all lined up just beforehand. Their teeth are done. They get the, the <laughs> their, all their medication. It's got it that all. That hip, all of it. It's, it's all done. So yeah, sometimes that is the case, actually. But making sure you have enough medication for the entire stay mm-hmm. and, and repeats. And important is to have labels, original labels on this. And if you are flying, don't check it in your general luggage. Yeah. Okay. 
um, it may not get through. Uh, it could get confiscated at the at the border. So again, having labels, making sure it has enough. Um, your vehicle registration, don't let it expire. Check basically anything that has an expiry date. Yeah. Find out when it expires. Yeah, it could be point. a credit card, could be your passport, could be a Nexus, could be your driver's license, health card. Check them all to see, okay, do any of these expire while I'm away? The good thing about this, it's almost like spring cleaning. It forces you to get something done. Yeah. You got a deadline. Oh, wow, I'm going on a vacation. And then you get a ton of stuff done to get ready for that trip. And uh, it's not even a vacation for them, really. It's just a lifestyle decision. It's mm -hmm. basically living down there. Yeah. Uh, power of attorneys, uh, look at those. And, and if there is a, some power of attorneys are not springing in the sense that you don't have to be ill or in, unable to do things, it's simply that you have a power of attorney that somebody can act on your behalf while you're away. Mm -hmm. And that may be the mm. case for uh, certain things that you're, if you're running a business or something, somebody can sign on your behalf. And make sure, of course, your will is updated. Um, banking, you know, it's so much easier in the old days um, in terms of going to Florida or wherever you're going because so, so much of the banking is online now. Yeah. It's so much easier. You're not writing a ton of checks post-dated and everything else. Where, where, are, all the, where are the traveler checks? Yeah, Traveler's checks, where do they go? That's right, too. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. That was like the first thing you did before you yeah, went you away. Yeah, you get a go bunch get, of traveler's yeah, checks. Yeah. You got it, yeah. Now, now it's like, wow, you can pay everything online. Mm -hmm. you know, and also, the rates you get, um, depending on your company. I know Investors Group has a very good system for our clients going through their U.S. money market fund. So there's virtually no spread. In fact, there's no spread between the um, whatever the market rate of the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. It is whatever it is, the market rate is four o'clock every day. We don't take a commission on that. Right. And that can be very costly. So if you're buying a, a place down there and you're going to spend a couple hundred thousand U.S. or more, mm -hmm. if you know, 1% of that is a couple yeah. thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, I've met, I met clients who are renting and they need, you know, we said, well, I'm going to need 10,000 U.S. And uh, so we made that service available to them where they're able to exchange, sell their Canadian investments, move it into a U.S. money market fund with zero exchange cost to them. And uh, on 10 grand, it saved them probably about $300. Yeah, yeah. that's all right. And it's, it's amazing. And I've had a, a few clients buy places down there, had no idea this service existed for them until I mentioned it to them. And again, 1% spread, quite often it's greater than that. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, if you try to bring money back, it's a spread both ways. That's right. You know, so it could be a 3% spread on your money. This is where having a, you may have a, a great relationship with your bank or some other system of getting U.S. dollars. But again, I know clients of ours do extremely well with this, with this system we do. Um, pet preparation. Huh. This is an interesting one. And I honestly was really curious about this. I'm a dog owner. And I said, how do we get our dog, and I see people do this all the time. I just had no idea. So during my research, I said, how do they get across? And it, you realize, at the end of the day, it's not that hard. First of all, they have to be healthy. You can't bring a sick animal across, which makes sense. And basically it's a veterinarian. If you go to the border guard and they're foaming at the mouth. Not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> no, no, no. Is that dog asleep or dead? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? <laughs> uh, generally, they just want to see something from a veterinarian saying that it's they healthy and they've had all their shots, particularly rabies shots and anything else. So it's not that difficult. Um, and, and it's just basically they're in good health. Um, interesting though is cats technically don't need to have this. 
But at the same time, because they're, they're cool. not really pets. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh. Was that out loud? I'm I'm terrible. I'm just you know. Oh, I, you must be a dog. dog <laughs> I, think a, I think there's some pet prejudice. <laughs> oh, I've yes. had both. I've had both. Okay. I want that on record. All right. And which one did you like better? Uh, Based on that, t- okay, we'll leave that alone. What's Scott. your next point? Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't actually need uh, some of this uh, this vaccination record, but quite often they are asked at the border guards anyway. And on the way back, they're often asked. Mm. So it's good just to have this in your back, you know, basically in your glove compartment waiting for that. I wouldn't want to show any border guard any cat that I've had of mine. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> going to get you turned around right there. Hi, hi, Fuzzy. Meet the border guard. You can see where that's going. Yeah, real. Um, no, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Even when you're talking about pets and, and stopping, you want to basically get to the destination as quick as you can. Yeah. Well, dogs you let out and you have a little run. You do not do that with cats. No. no. They will be left in Georgia, Tennessee, <laughs> Ohio, wherever, and uh, they probably won't make it all the way to Florida. Yeah. So there is do- there is cat leashes. Easy come, easy go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so also By the way, send your mail to Don and Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comments. Yeah. Um, microchipping your pet is a great idea oh, for right, those right. pet owners that they do get loose and, you know, who knows where. So at least you can track them um, and, and hopefully you have a nice positive story at the end of tracking <laughs> them. Our dog got out a couple of weeks ago and I heard barking and uh, she was at the front door. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Smart dog. Came I'm back, back here. Go, yeah. It's kind of cold out. Can I come in? <laughs> uh, guys, That's did you hilarious. forget something? <laughs> <laughs> um, some states actually have a quarantine period. Hawaii does. Yeah. Um, so that they will actually hold the pet for a certain length of time. I didn't actually find out how long that was. That's called a kennel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And it might be the whole vacation. Yeah. So, but by air, it's actually interesting. A lot of, uh, the, f- going by air is quite often easier for the smaller pets anyway. Oh, right. They can go right under the seat. Okay. Not in the bin above as, <coughs> as one oh, flight attendant started. did. Oh, but, wow. um, if you are going by air and possibly by car, you might want to consider a mild tranquilizer. For me or the dog? <laughs> <laughs> For the dog, because you're driving. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now, if you're in the area, it's okay. Um, but again, it's just about so they don't get too anxious. Yeah. Okay. And also, if you're driving, you got to look at what hotels. Yeah. And organize the hotels right. ahead of right. time. Some take, some are dog friendly or pet friendly and some mm-hmm. aren't. Mm-hmm. And again, if they are pet friendly, you, and if you have allergies, you may not want to visit those ones. Yeah, good So point. even if you don't have a pet, you may yeah. want to check into that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, photocopy all your documentation, <clears throat> everything. Mm-hmm. And you know what's so easy these days? I wouldn't actually even photocopy. Take I just a take a picture with your phone. Yeah, yeah. Right. You right. have everything on there, put it into a file in your phone, and it's always there just in case it gets lost or stolen. Not quite sure what happens at the border. Um, with a picture of one. I'm sure that probably doesn't work, but mm. I'm not quite sure what happens in those cases. It's I think it's changing. Well, if you, lost your, if you lost your passport, you'd have to go to a Canadian embassy and yeah. have some temporary reissued to you that okay. one year in that, in that country. Well, mm. and then getting your house ready. There's more to it than simply, everybody's pretty pumped about getting to the new destination because you're going to be there enjoying the sunshine for the next few months, but you got to leave yet. And again, this is where... the these very the veterans know how to do this um mail arrangement make sure the mail's arranged the newspapers you suspend those um home insurance make find out how often somebody has to inspect your house Mm -hmm. 
Some is actually every day. Some yeah. policies say somebody must be there every single day. Mm -hmm. um, some are other, uh, every other day. But again, um, otherwise you you may have null and void insurance if there is a, a frozen pipe or yeah. something like that. Now, if you have neighbors and the power's off, it's it's great to have somebody local because they'll, I'm sure your house has the power off also. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, fridge, clean it out. Okay, you don't want to come back after six months. Oh, I thought you cleaned it out. Oh, no, no, I thought you cleaned it out. <laughs> it won't be pretty. You'll probably end up throwing out the fridge. Um, phone, cable, water, again, just get, you know, you put suspend those. Lights, have on timers. Now, there's a lot of cameras now that are inexpensive, and you yeah. can hook your app to it. Yeah. So you can actually see, see your house. And see who's robbing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully nobody, but at least you can see what's going yeah, on. Yeah. And if there is something going on, then yeah. at least you can alert somebody. Remem amazing. Remember to change the default password from 1234. Yeah, that's yeah, a good, yeah. good idea. Exactly. Um, Otherwise, vehicles? everybody will be looking. <laughs> yes, exactly. Vehicles, um, they have fire and theft. Mm -hmm. You may want to say, oh, I don't need, uh, you know, other insurance anymore because it's not gonna be moving for six months. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you are driving, make sure that vehicle's serviced. You got a long drive ahead of you. And it's in the, what I find also great is to have lots of change for those tolls. Oh, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Some would take exact Still change. Still need coins now. Right? Yeah, yeah. So and, and they don't even have, some of them don't even have a, a human anymore. Mm -hmm. So you have to you throw something. Yeah. <laughs> and I've come across that myself and I said, well, I didn't actually have any change. Yeah. And uh, you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, big one here, don't bring food across. No. You have an RV yeah. and you bring it across, you're not even thinking about it because you just mm -hmm, had lunch mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. an hour ago on the Canadian side and people have lost their nexus over yeah. bringing food really? across. Really? Wow. But you can have canned yeah, items. Yeah, I think it's can fresh meat, stuff like that. You got to be Vegetables or fruits yeah. and vegetables yeah. and, and fresh meats. Mm -hmm. Uh but anyway, anyway, probably every, safe just to avoid yeah, just, anything. Yeah, just, you know, your first stop should be probably a grocery store yeah. on the other side. Yeah, right, right, go right. to Tops on the other side. Exactly. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Piggly wiggly. <laughs> but at the same token, bring some water for the drive. Yeah. Stuckies. And packing, um, really important here, bring your golf clubs. Bring your tennis rackets. Bring your bikes. Bring all the fun stuff. I'm sure that's the so easy. So you don't have to rent it. But also bring your chargers. Nothing's worse yeah, than finally getting right, there right, and right. you got all the charges still plug in, plugged in at home. So <laughs> anyway, here's an, this is an extensive list. Um, for those veterans, I know you've probably got this all done, but hopefully they might have kind of queued into another one or two there. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management, 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. Talking about planned giving. Planned giving using life insurance. So as I said earlier on, if we can come back and revisit a little bit about uh, some of your estate planning options and planned giving using life insurance is really sort of a strategy around increasing that support or the amount that you can give to your favorite charitable organization. And, you know, many people feel passionate about certain causes or certain organizations and want to somehow give back. And maybe you're in that category. You want to sort of maximize the impact of your gift. You also want to protect the value of your estate, and you may want to use offsetting current off to use this to offset your current and future tax obligations in your estate as well. But why plan giving? Basically, you know your assets, your assets at death 
are going to be distributed to three groups. Group number one is your heirs. Group number two would be your favorite charity. And group number three, Canada Revenue. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're, there's always a, they're always yeah. there at the trough, ready for whatever they can get, right? So basically, you have some do, you have some uh, options in terms of uh, the donations. You can make a cash donation at any time, and people know that. And you take the receipt for the donation as they're made, and you use that as a tax credit every year. Uh, or with a life insurance policy, you have two options. You can have the charity own the policy or you can own the policy individually. And so when the charity owns the policy, what happens is you go out and you buy a life insurance policy. So you qualify for it based on your health and you decide how much the face value is going to be and how much you're going to pay in premiums every year. And then you transfer the ownership of that life insurance policy to the charity. So let's say your premiums ended up being uh, $5,000 a year. So that life insurance bought you, you know, half a million dollars of life insurance. And now uh, every year you're going to give $5,000, pay $5,000 for that premium on that life insurance policy. And the charity will give you a $5,000 tax receipt. Okay. So that's when the charity owns the policy. The charity owns the policy and they're also the beneficiary of the policy. So when you die, they get that lump sum, that 500,000. Number two is the inv- you own the policy yourself. So again, you qualify, you buy a life insurance policy, you keep the ownership, and then at death, you name the, the your charity of choice as the beneficiary, and the the charity issues a tax receipt for that. In this case, five hundred thousand mm-hmm. to your estate. Okay. And so which one's best for you is going to you really have to think about. You know, do you want to maximize your gift to the charity? Uh, Do you need the tax credits today and tax savings? Can you use the full deduction at death to offset your taxes in your estate? And I talked about that earlier. It's a a big problem. A lot of times tax credits get left on the table when you put a a large amount in uh, in one time at death. And then finally, do you want the flexibility to change when chair when the and which charity receives the donation so if you've got an individual owned policy then you can change the charity name of the charity anytime you want in the charity owns the policy it's irrevocable right. they're the beneficiary uh, in which case if you decide you want to stop paying the charity can continue to pay if they feel it's going to be in their best interest mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Uh, so you know typically the average person when you during your working period of time, you're building up your net worth, you're accumulating assets, you finally end up with a nest egg, and then you retire, and you begin to draw down on those investments over time. And people are usually a bit cautious, and you know, you don't want to run out too soon. So usually people kind of underestimate, but at the same time, they can overestimate. And really, at the end of the day, there's some point when you die, there's money left over that's going to be transferred to either the next generation or to your charity. And so with permanent life insurance, you can accumulate cash value within the policy and you don't pay tax on it. So it's a tax shelter in that context, unless you redeem the money out of it. At death, your named beneficiaries under the policy receive the benefit tax-free. And during your lifetime, as I said, you can claim the tax credit on those donations to the charity up to 75% of your net income. And in the year of your death, you get the 100% of your net income that you can use for a tax credit. 
Um, deciding how your estate is distributed, basically a plan giving process uses life insurance. It allows you to decide how your estate will be distributed. You can make gifts to your favorite charity. You can leave an inheritance to your heirs, and you can use the life insurance to pay taxes so that more of your estate is available to charities and your heirs as well. So the advantages in plan giving using life insurance would basically be um, the contribution level can be designed to meet your, your own cash flow. So depending on how much you want to lock into, you can make a substantial gift without depleting your estate. Uh, the donor is recognized today for premiums that are paid and for the future substantial gift and also at death with a substantial, uh, as a substantial gift as well. And tax credits can basically be set up to match what you need so that you're not wasting any of those charitable tax credits. The advantage to the charity, it's an additional source of funding, so it does not replace any current giving. Uh, the plans for future, <clears throat> they can make plans for the future substantial donation at, at death. It provides funds for a capital project. It avoids delays due to probate and estate litigation because the money goes directly to them. It allows the charity to complete to compete for donor dollars. And finally, permanent endowment generates a stable cash flow. Okay, And so the benefits of the life insurance solution, again, you can contribute to your favorite charity in a significant way. It helps you preserve the value of your estate, still benefit your uh, favorite charity, and you can decide how your estate will be distributed. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management, 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call, 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Don, Andy, should I incorporate? That's a good question. And that's, you know, it's we hear that, uh, you know, fairly frequently. Small business entrepreneurs do this, right? right? Yeah. Or even, um, you know, different types like a massage therapist right. or workplace safety. Or there's almost all these little niches in the healthcare area now. And I met with one recently and uh, she had incorporated. And I thought, well, did it really make sense to incorporate? And so I asked her, you know, who suggested it? And it really wasn't anybody. It was simply that everybody else in my school incorporated. Yeah. So it was like, well, if they're doing it, it must be right. And so I dug in says, well, are you making a lot of money when you first started? He says, well, actually, no, I didn't make much money first. And now I make, I'm making mm -hmm. good money. So the biggest thing here is cash flow. If you are spending all your cash flow, if it's all running through the corporation and you're simply just taking it right back out, you're not leaving anything in the corporation. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're just adding one more level of complexity to your life. Right. You have to now fill in a corporate tax return. Right. And so as opposed to be simply a small business and running it through a small business, you would small businesses are really not a separate entity at all. Corporations are. So the difference between that, you right on your personal tax return, you will put in if it's a small business, you made 40 grand, you had 50 grand of expenses, you lost $10,000. Mm -hmm. That 10,000 can be used against other income you made. If it's in a corporation, you made $40,000, you had 50,000 expenses, you lost $10,000. That can only be used against other corporate income. Right. And that, so that's on the corporate tax side, which is a lot lower tax bracket, first of all, which is why most people do it in the first place. 
they're taxed at about 15% for the small business deduction um, after the small business deduction versus what you would pay tax on a personal level. Generally speaking, 30% is just the middle class. Isn't that enough just with the tax savings to make it worth your while? Yes, if you have income. And But the thing is, if you're putting it through the corporation and then taking it all out, right. you're paying tax at the same level anyway right, right. because you're not saving anything there. Mm-hmm. Some people will argue, says, well, yeah, it's got to stay in. Some people will say, well, I'm getting the dividend out of the small business and I'm not taking a salary and I don't pay as much tax on the dividend. Well, trust me, if you add the small business tax to the personal tax, it works this exact same. Mm. There's no way to reduce your tax by running it through the corporation. They have lined those up so there's no tax savings. In fact, sorry. Is it is it is it um, only Canada Pension Plan that you might avoid having to pay? Uh, and and does that make sense? That's a case point. This is actually my, what I mentioned okay. to this lady. And uh, great, great stuff. Uh, Segway me right up. Segway <laughs> me right up there. Um, she is not contributing to the Canada Pension Plan this mm. year. And I know it's probably not a great investment because you're paying both sides of it. Mm. And I know some uh, financial planners will say, well, the return is only a couple percent a year. The thing is, it is a great safety net for if you mess up in everything else in your life, at least you got your Canada Pension Plan. It is an index pension, so it goes up by inflation. It will go on for the rest of your life. You never have to worry about running out of money. And in the era now where people do not have pensions that they can count on in terms of a, a defined benefit plan. Mm-hmm. They're all defined contribution plans. They're like a big RSP. They're, most people are very, I would say most, but most people are worried they're going to run out of money. Right. So the nice thing about Canada Pension Plan, you have that one layer of income along with your old age security. So yeah, I would have that. Uh, we had that discussion about Canada Pension Plan, so I'm glad you brought that up, Andy. Um, so, and also RSP room. If you're only getting dividend income, it's not considered earned income, and therefore you cannot make an RSP contribution. And there's another way to defer tax. Mm-hmm. So you do have to look at both the Canada Pension Plan and the RSP room. So some experts, and I agree with this, will say, well, why don't you make enough at least to maximize the CPP, which is about 55000 a year, and also maybe get yourself so that after you make your RSP contribution, your income is around 75000 and so therefore you would make you'd pay yourself approximately $87,000 make the contribution to the RSP bring your income down to 75 and you you'll not pay any more tax than the 30%. So again, these are the kind of things that should be built into the discussion should I incorporate. Now, there is that argument about creditor creditor proofing and depending on your industry, you should definitely look at that. Um, or and also liability, personal liability is your are you protected by being incorporated? Um, some some industries yes, some no. So you really need to get a second opinion. Are is liability coverage okay? Just being incorporated now. Quite often, the bank or whatever financial institution will not accept your corporation as a signer of a loan. Mm. They want personal guarantees. So that kind of goes right away anyway. So you you've re- basically signed your personal assets to the bank loan. Um, there are some pros though, um, income splitting, you can income split salaries. Okay. So if your wife, husband, kids are working in the business, then you can have a, what would they would call a reasonable, reasonable amount of income. And that's a test of what they would get paid. Um, so if they're working 10 hours a week, what would be reasonable? Okay. And depending on their job title, 
The other part that the unfortunately the government did get rid of is no dividends to family members other than family members that work 20 hours per week or more. Hmm. So those ones that used to set up personal corporations for dentists and doctors and, and a lot of other professionals where they would sprinkle their dividends amongst all their university age kids, they can't do that anymore. Right. Okay, unless they're working 20 hours a week, which is unlikely. And so the big advantage of a corporation is if you can leave money in there, you're paying tax at 15%, right. letting it sit there and grow. So you got 85 cents on the dollar still working for you rather than paying it to you personally. And if you're in a high tax bracket, you half the money could be gone and then you don't have that growing. So definitely it, it makes sense to discuss this with your financial planner. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. And if you want to listen to old shows or ask a question, check out the website at andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, we'll see everyone. You next week. Happy Thank Halloween. You,